2: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
0: This is the Bob Cordaro Show Podcast. WILK News Radio.
1: Michael Kowalczyk, Hazel Township. Passed on September 19th. Joseph Salata, West Hazelton, Passed on September 19th as well. Joseph Slobodnik of German. We lost him October 8th. Carl Frederick Harding, born Pitston, passed on September 20th. And Joseph Flannery, who we lost October 11th. He was from Peckville. All veterans that we honor today At the bottom of the hour. We'll give you a little bit more information on each of them. Well... <clears throat> The, the climate people that we've been talking about, and these are these zealots who do not— I mean, everybody wants clean air and clean water and wants to take concrete steps to find it. But the climate change cult, they've begun suing large natural gas and oil companies in Pennsylvania— it's going to put everybody's costs up for no proven result. And Dave Taylor is with us. He's with the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association. And he's going to tell us a little bit more about it. Dave Taylor, welcome. Hi, Bob. Thanks so much for having me. It's got to be exhausting to you. You're under, uh, as manufacturers, you're, your people are under incredible regulatory uh, burdens and now we add this other layer from the climate change alarmists it, it's 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 remarkable how much you've got to fight
0: yeah i mean it really is it shouldn't be this hard and um you know the fact is there is such a thing as opportunity cost and anybody who's you know more aware than a small child understands that that to do one thing you don't get to do another thing that that one thing that you do has offsets and that you know when you talk about these climate fanatics that they will only point to what are perceived negative impacts of industry while refusing to recognize all of the benefits which like uphold our civilization and um and again that this this whole process it's infuriating and and bob i think it's an important point to recognize that in no place no place in america have any of these lawsuits been successful they're they're meritless this is a horrendous well, that was a question i was going to ask you dave exercise. taylor yes sir uh,
1: uh, how do they con- how do they claim to have standing <laughs> like for people well, that are just it, lawfully doing their business
0: every day. Yeah, and, and 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 yeah, that's exactly right. And the and of course the businesses in question are in compliance with all the EPA and EPA standards. So, I mean, the attempt to claim standing is that somehow a person says I am uniquely um, you know, harmed by the industrial activity and that you know that's partly why these suits have been found meritless. but it's still companies have to pay the lawyers to do the work to fight these things. And so it's essentially uh, economic warfare via the courts, uh, sometimes called
1: lawfare. Well, I mean, and the fact is that our manufacturing processes have gotten cleaner and greener and much more efficient we've converted uh, our power complex to substantial amounts of natural gas which is the cleanest burning fuel and and it is never enough for this crowd ever yeah that's that's correct and i just wish i wish that we could have as
0: pennsylvanians i wish that we could have an honest conversation about things because when you look at the facts and benchmark the progress that we've made over time it's been astounding And so today, the air is cleaner, the water is cleaner than it's Ever been since the you know these metrics have been recorded, which is as it should be that that process of continuous improvement um, that typifies our American system that that is has been at work. And it continues to be at work, and in fact, by disadvantage, by disadvantaging domestic manufacturing and domestic energy production, what you're really doing is that you're pushing those functions overseas to other countries where things are done much less cleanly and with much greater negative impact to the environment a product made in china is three to four times more carbon intensive than the same product made here in the u.s so it makes no sense to force production away from the place where it's done uh, most efficiently and with the least negative impact to the environment
1: and they claim it's a global problem Yet, <laughs> look what they're doing. They're, yeah. they're right. They're, they're, they, it seems to me. I, I know you're not here to talk about the environmental issue and climate change writ large, but it seems that everything they are doing is worse for the environment. Correct. Correct. And the and again, just so that the listeners have,
0: um, uh, you know, a, a benchmark for this. The United States is the largest economy in the world. And that we are the second largest emitter um, of greenhouse gases. We're number two and dropping at about like thirteen percent. China is the world's second largest economy. They are the largest emitter of uh, greenhouse gases at thirty percent and rising. And they're bringing online a whole new generation of. Uh, coal-fired power plants. So again, if this is an issue that concerns you, you're in the wrong country, <laughs> and that the You know, the U.S. Yeah. is trend. Everything is trending in the right direction, and so it really is a, a kind of fanaticism to attempt to further hinder and further damage the people here at home who are doing it, um doing it better. And again, Bob, the you know, let's talk about trade-offs. You know that that. Our manufacturing sector directly employs over 565,000 Pennsylvanians. These are good-paying, family-sustaining jobs, best wages and benefits in the marketplace. That core manufacturing function sustains millions of additional Pennsylvania jobs in supply chains and distribution networks and through the vendors of, of industrial services and and like so and again our energy producers manufacturing requires huge amounts of energy and so what happens with energy affects manufacturing it affects all of us increasing our basically our cost of daily living utility bills fuel bills all that stuff that maximizing domestic energy production here in the US should be our priority again because we do it better and cleaner um, than, in other places so so this is yes it 's enormously frustrating, um, but it also speaks to the larger issue of not just climate fanaticism but also lawsuit abuse that this wouldn 't be possible if you didn 't have you know an army of profiteering trial lawyers who were just you know throwing it up against the wall to see what sticks because if at some point they find a judge who allows this to go forward. They're looking at a potential payday of you know of an enormous uh, an, an enormous amount. Our courts shouldn't work that way. Like, our, our, you know, we already have a state lottery. The court system is supposed <laughs> to administer justice. Yeah. You know, so so you know, and again, we're electing judges statewide judges to the bench. Um, you know, next month, people should you know be aware of who the candidates are, where they stand, and and um, and which side the lawsuit industry is supporting.
1: They're supporting the Democrat side. You can't say it. I just did. Because they're all in on this insanity. And by the way, when we talk about greenhouse gases, the primary one is uh, uh, carbon dioxide, Mm -hmm. which is the source of all green life on the planet. Yes, sir. It's not not a pollutant. You just have these silly arguments where they change words and meanings. Yes, and people like you, Dave Taylor of Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association, have to deal with it. And yeah, I'm I'm happy that you you've told me it is maddening for you as it is for all of us observing.
0: Well, and, and you know, and everyday folks, like we you know in some ways, we're a victim of our own success, that um you know we live in a in a world where the consumer experience is designed to be seamless, and so as a result, people stop thinking about. How all of these you know goods and services and experiences are made possible, and how they 're delivered to us, i mean, like I would recommend you know looking at one of those uh, like those Facebook videos that have these super compressed um, building uh, videos engineers and road work and all that stuff it's like think about. All of the energy that's expended—not just in doing the work, but also in building the giant earth-moving machines uh, that that make it possible—all the things that help civilization: steel and cement and plastics and ammonia. Like these things, depend on fossil fuel inputs or fossil fuel processes. And so, for people saying we should be without fossil fuels, we should get rid of them. Well, that's condemning three billion human beings to die of starvation because we won't have enough artificial. uh, We won't have enough. Fertilizer to
1: feed humanity. I mean, it's crazy. Mm. Every solution has the opposite end result. So I start to say I'm and I'm not I'm not a, a tinfoil hat guy, but I start to say when it's so obvious that they're the result they're looking for is the exact opposite, whether it's battery powered cars or trying to trying to throttle our power production, our manufacturers. All of those things are doing the opposite. And at some point I start to say to myself, well, the environment is not the goal here. It's something else.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and and I think you're right. And, Bob, there there needs to be reform at the state and federal level regarding uh, foreign contributions uh, into our charitable system because a lot of these – These fanatical groups are funded by, you know, foundations that then receive money from somebody else that came from somewhere else. And, um, you know, your your point is well taken that these things are are pressing against the the national interest of the U.S., against our national security, against our our energy independence. And so, you know, again, we need to have a free and open process uh, under the First Amendment for Americans about you know, making decisions for ourselves. I think that those outside influences are dangerous and they need to
1: be ex- restricted or at the very least exposed exposed. I, I, I'm it's disinfectant. It needs, <laughs> you, you need to know, okay, where'd you get your money? And mm-hmm. if it's a Chinese source, you've got to say, <laughs> don't you get it now? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. hundred percent.
1: Oh, well, David Taylor, uh, from the Pennsylvania Manufacturers Association, we we appreciate it very much. And uh, come on anytime you've got something to talk to us about because it, it's right up our alley. We're at pamanufacturers.org. Bob, thanks a million for having me on. Keep fighting for those jobs, David Taylor. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, All right. Sir. Take we'll take this break. The Bob Cadaro Show. We will return. Monday Musings on a Tuesday at a slightly different time. But he is with us, John. Thank you so much for adjusting for us. No problem. You found my bumper music. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait, I think you know Monday Musics was uh, deserving of it, so I'm happy. Yeah. that I, I like the song too. Yeah. So I, I thank you for, for uh, having me on. I apologize to your
2: audience for getting too excited about that. Um, <laughs> the reason why I asked for that bumper music is, you know, Bob and I were having a discussion around. You know, what's going on in israel right now and there's been a bit of a uh undercurrent as these things drag on you you can almost see what's going to happen next it was a little bit like your last guest, where you're talking about uh what we need to do for, for the environment and then certain things play out always the same way and the same way whenever israel gets attacked you get this you know initial uh, um sort of sympathy and then it's followed out by hey, you know, the Israelis are partly to blame for this, and the whole Palestinian situation is partly for, to blame for this as well. And the reason why we didn't start to fire, you know, why I was mentioning at the Bob was that, you know, I wanted to take a little bit of a historical perspective of how uh, our involvement in that region uh, evolved, and to talk about how that actually predates the existence of Israel by a long period of time. So you, you know, I just think that's important from a perspective standpoint. And you know, as you've been following Bob's show, you know that you know there were a number of Americans that were killed or taken hostage during this Hamas raid. Um, and then, you know, there's this normal wailing and gnashing of teeth that we get about how to respond. You know, we can't be disproportionate and, and that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, back to the history of that, you know, if you go back to our independence, our, our war for our independence, there was this long and costly war. And we were deeply in debt at the end of it. We actually had to borrow money to fight for our own independence. And even though that the new United States faced threats from abroad, our founders still had this really great distrust of standing militaries. And the reason was that their experience with quartering of British troops, meaning the British troops would literally walk into your house and take what you had to eat, and you had to feed them, that's quartering. And then the British Navy would go, and take whatever supplies or provisions they needed as they went up and down the coast and they would they cut down trees and it didn't matter if it was on your property or they'd take your hogs or whatever it was that's how the british navy operated and so our founders had this real distrust of standing militaries and so the last of the continental navy ships were sold in 1785 because congress wouldn't approve the mun- the funds to to keep them repaired it just wasn't enough money to keep a standing army Around So the, all the, the Navy's gone, the military's down to, you know, uh, a couple of militia groups, and that's about it. But it's not like the young nation, the young United States, had any ability to control world events. And so in 1785, pirates off of the coast of Algiers, uh, claiming to be Mujahideen or freedom fighters, if you will, they seized the American ber- uh, merchant ship Betsy and held her crew for ransom. And the reason why that's important is that Mujahideen are freedom fighters. These, these were pirates. All they were doing was taking uh, ships and their crews and selling them. And so Thomas Jefferson and John Jay wanted to build a Navy to support and protect our freedom of trade in that region. But the citizens of the nation were weary of war. And By the way, if any of this sounds familiar, you know, feel free to think about this in your yeah. own mind. They've been fighting forever, and they were tired of it. And they also understood that if you had a standing Navy, you'd need to have taxes to support the ships, the maintenance, and the crews. And as an alternative to that, all they, they could just pay tribute or essentially pay taxes to these pirates and be left alone. And in fact, Jefferson, Franklin, and Adams actually met with a representative of the Day of Algiers, D-E-Y of Algiers, and offered a gift of $20,000, which was a huge amount of money back then, to entice him to return the U.S. hostages and leave U.S. shipping alone. And Congress actually was going to approve that. But by the time they approved it, the day, of course, he increased his demands and by 1793, so just a couple of years later, 11 more ships are captured. Jefferson had been trying to form a coalition of the willing, if you will, of countries to patrol that coast along the Mediterranean uh, on the African side and to bottle up the pirates. But Adams actually believed that paying off the pirates would just be the simple, simpler and more economical thing to do. And his quote was, because it's important, this is Adams speaking. We ought not to fight them unless we determine to fight them forever. Close, close. John Adams. Hmm. So Adams understood the nature of buying freedom in that part of the world. But the situation continues. The hostages don't get released. You only rent it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Apparently understood the exact opposite of
2: the reality. Right. And it's George Washington himself who actually petitions Congress to build four frigates. And the motion to do so is carried in the House of Representatives by just two boats that's how close we came to not even having a navy and the only reason why it passed was because there was a provision in the bill to cancel the funding if peace with algiers was ever reached and the cost of these new navy ships was about six hundred and eighty eight thousand dollars or close to thirteen point five million in today's dollars so it's you know actually not a small expenditure and it cost today's pentagon
1: thirteen point five (laughs) billion
2: plus to build four ships (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, they're a little more advanced. But even these ships were very advanced, typical Americans, right? So they were, they were a radical new design. They were long. They were very deep. Draft, they were very fast. They were very heavily armed. And there weren't going to be a lot of them made, but they could really pack punch. And so their delays in the construction of it had to do with, with the ability to get the, the wood cut and transported to the shipbuilding sites. Um, and by the time the keels were laid, there's a treaty of Tripoli that gets signed. Which should have ended the construction, but it was George Washington himself who pushed Congress to keep going and three of the original four get completed. Right. So and then this is now in 1801, Jefferson's president and about one fifth or 20 percent of the U.S. budget at the time is spent paying off the Barbary pirates along the coast, what we now consider to be the Middle East. Right. Twenty percent of our budget is is paying these people off. And so he sends – Jefferson, he wants to declare war, but he's convinced that the Congress won't support a formal declaration. So he sends over his little fleet to, in his words, chastise the pirates. And in response, the, the Shah of Tripoli cuts down the, the flag of the U.S. consulate declaring war, if you will, in a colorful way. And then as a result, Congress passes the Act for Protection of Commerce uh, and Seamen of the United States against the Tripoli Corsairs, and this is in 1802. And this new little navy force shows up with five frigates and a a group of marines, and one of these brand new navy ships, the Philadelphia, runs aground, is captured, and is renamed by the Shah, the Gift of Allah. And again, I'm I'm, I'm not. I'm just making that point that we have been engaged with Muslims along that region. Far below, far yeah. below, longer than Israel has been in existence. Right, this is in 1802.
1: Well, John Perillo, right, so let's. Shop- uh, we're going to take a break. We got to do the weather. We hear from our great sponsors, a veterans tribute, and then uh, we'll we'll take what you, the history you've just given us, and tell us how it relates to today. John Perillo, Monday musings. We will be back. So, John, you, you set that history up. We've we've had conflicts, and the Western world has too. And they've been religious, right. and they've been continuous. They've they've really never relented. Whether it was the Moors right. in Spain, they just continuous uh, the Crusades. Uh, so the United States had its own history in its fledgling years. Uh, so tell us about how does that relate to today's nightmare? Yeah. Well, so let me wrap this up. So
2: as, as Bob said, so that we described Jefferson sending the fleet over there. And he buys peace for a little bit of time. And one of the things that Jefferson notes, and again, I'm going to quote Jefferson here, is there is no end to the demand of these powers nor any security in their promises. So there's a little bit of a peace. And then the War of 1812 happens. Madison is now president. And because of the War of 1812 and we're all preoccupied, the piracy starts again. Madison doesn't even want to do anything about it because he just he he has no choice. So a 10-ship fleet sails into the Mediterranean, and this is where we look at parallels. And this 10-ship fleet sails directly into the harbor of Algiers. It lays broadside to the city. A small contingent of Marines uh, disembark. They they go into the city, and they basically tell the D, DEY that he can release the American prisoners, and they're going to level his fortress. And the D looks out over the harbor, and there are these Navy ships all facing his uh his um, uh, fortress and not only does he release the prisoners he pays $10,000 in compensation to the United States for the trouble that he called them causes them and then the navy goes and sails from tu- from there to Tunis and Tripoli and repeats the process and that's what ends the war finally in 1784 and if any of this sounds familiar to you it should because it's the beginning of the marine Corps, Corps him from the halls of montezuma to the sh- to the shores of Tripoli and you know I'm an old navy guy been in the navy forever and I still remember waking up one morning, I was on the ground in, in the Persian Gulf during Gulf War One, and the Missouri had been brought in. And I didn't know that she was coming in, but the Missouri had been brought in offshore. And, you know, that is one persuasive diplomat. When you wake up in the morning and there's this huge ship with, with uh, nine 16-inch guns facing the shore, you know, it makes you think about things. And I wonder if Madison were president, you know, would that situation in Gaza be any different, um, And, you know, I think there is one thing that people in that region of the world understand. And and as much as we should be always trying and striving for peace, there are times when sometimes you have to say things loudly and clearly so they get the message that you don't take American hostages. And, you know, I think this is where, you know, I understand the, the situation that Israel finds itself in. And I understand that everybody wants us to be backed off and be peaceful. But I also believe that there are are times when you just have to display power so people just decide not to hit you anymore. And, you know, I wonder if we still had that level of power arrayed off the coast of Gaza City, whether we'd have our hostages back by now. Um, And I I think back to uh, Bob, you and I were around when when Reagan was first elected president. We had had a hostage situation going on in Iran who was the same sponsor of what's going on now in Israel. That had been going on for for months. Reagan gets elected president, and within weeks the hostages get delivered. And you know you can you can draw the conclusions that you want to, but everybody thought Reagan was a crazy cowboy, yep. and they were scared that he was going to start a major war in the region. Okay, well you know nobody messed with the American. Well, I, I remember
1: after the that. meme of the day, even though the word didn't exist. It was uh, it was a, one of the ayatollahs reading a scroll. And it said, what is burned, destroyed, and beyond recognition? A question and a, a answer. Uh, Iran, 10 minutes after Ronald Reagan takes office. And the uh, the irony of that is that that's exactly when they released them. Hey, a- and, and then the tap it all off with an Irish wake for my great friend Tim Early who passed. I, I, it's... Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I'm happy to be back and safe in the studio. Now, Lorraine, tell me, did you used to listen on 1300?
3: Yes, yes. And, and what I did, miss it dearly.
1: Did you get a signal at all?
3: No, no. Well, on 1300, yeah. Like no, but I'm saying that.
1: now, did you try 980?
3: Listen, I'm, right now I am listening on my phone on the Odyssey. Okay. But I, I don't like it. I'd rather listen on my radio. I told you that. Uh, no nine eighty stinks thirteen oh one no 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 it's all staticky you can't get it. All right. And I missed the thirteen hundred. Oh.
1: I know we got a lot of listeners down Hazelton. I know. Jimmy's uh, lunch was telling me. He uh-huh. said he said I, I have I had so many people come in when I heard that you and the bulldog were coming down. And, uh, yeah, I'm hoping we're not abandoning those listeners. But uh, it's at good, least as the WYLKnewsradio.com deal. That's
3: uh, terrible. <laughs> so hang in there
1: with us, Lorraine. Yeah. All right, so you have a poem, my darling.
3: Yes, my fuzzy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, fire away.
3: Okay, well, okay. I had to take care of business that you asked me. Okay. <laughs> this, this is called Miracles. Well, how ironic. We all need miracles in our lives, but sometimes they seem so far away. The only way miracles may begin to happen is if we kneel down and pray. They may begin today, or they might wait until tomorrow. If a miracle never takes place, our hearts begin to fill with sorrow. When you pray to God above, try not to be... Full of greed, he may not give you what you want, but only grant you what you truly need. I wish that I could take my own advice. Then my heart would be a little lighter. The present wouldn't look too bad, and the future might seem so much brighter. I won't wait for the sky to open or an angel to appear. The only miracle that I need it's for God to take away my fear. If my doubts were replaced with reassurance and all my despair with hope, a miracle would surely take place. Then I could begin to really cope. Amen. Mm.
1: <laughs> Very nice. As always, Lorraine. Amen, amen. Yeah, I like that.